0: ¡Gracias! Welcome to Metaphysical Soul Speak. I'm your host, Elena Fox-Starks. Hey guys, I hope that you're doing really, really well in this moment, that you had a wonderful weekend, and that wherever and whenever you happen to listen to this recording, wherever you are on the globe, I hope that you are taking well advantage of the high vibrational, positive love energy Regardless of your circumstance, this love is around you, embracing you gently and caressing your soul in every given moment, every ever loving moment. I want you to understand that this energy is surrounding you because this love is you and like attracts like. So... If you're stuck in traffic and you're angry and you're honking at people or you're (laughs) having a meltdown or a breakdown or a breakup or sadness of some kind, that love is still there. It's still there for the taking, like peanuts at a bar. (laughs) It's always there. It's always there for you maybe even more so (laughs) than peanuts at a bar. Um, I read an article today. It was actually Daniel Scranton had channeled uh, the Arcturians and he always writes down what he channels and then sends it out in newsletters. So I got this newsletter today and it was really good. They said that they're opening up all, all the Arcturian portals on the planet that will be allowing them to send forth their love and their special brand of energy signature, which does include an unconditional love for us. So it's cool that not only is the divine constantly sending us this beautiful love energy that just connects us to him slash her, them, whatever, Uh, you relate to God, the universe source. That source energy is pure love, but it's neat that other beings, other creations, other than human are sending us love at this time. I feel it from the Pleiadians. I feel it from the Andromedans. I feel it from the Lyrans. I feel it from the Arcturians as well. So I thought that was neat. It was a neat message that Daniel Scranton did uh, put out there today. They said that if you ever are discouraged or you ever need help, that energy from them, from the Archorions, is always available. You just ask. Say, hey, I need to be zapped with that energy. They literally use the word zapped. (laughs) So (laughs) that was interesting. I thought that was cool. In the meantime, the prime creator source is always zapping us, <laughs> always supporting us and bringing us into the level of awareness that we need to be in every, in any given moment. And it's, it's really cool. I, something's really distracting me. There's like a massive, it looks like a finger jutting out of the clouds. It's so weird. I, I it doesn't look like an actual finger, but it's just like, a normal fluffy cloud just floating on by and also this massive jutting out energy and above the clouds, just solid blue sky. Anyway, it's a gorgeous sky today. Speaking of love energy, energy surrounding you in every moment it's been, um, it's been a relaxing weekend for me and I do feel this love energy and I don't know if that, is why I've been feeling so emotionally supported, like really buoyed up and supported by the universe and things that normally would really get under my skin or make me agitated or things that would typically set me off or make me annoyed or angry in the past or things that I would feel slighted by, um, petty annoyances, all of those things, anything that happened in the past several days that would have normally elicited a response (laughs) from me just did not. It just didn't. It's just like, oh, that's interesting. In the past I would have been really annoyed by that statement or that comment or that thing that happened. I just wasn't (laughs) even when I noticed, like when I was having conversations with people, things that people would normally like if they would normally say that I'd be like, "Mm, no, uh, this is, but I just was like, okay, cool. And I found myself accepting people even if they're trying to be purposely sexist or annoying or whatever. And some people were being sexist without trying. It's just a natural part of their um, mentality still. And people are getting through it and getting over it. But a lot of things that would bother me like really intensely just didn't. I was just like, eh, nothing bothered me this weekend for the past three days. So we were hit on, um, the 11th by massive, CME, coronal mass ejection from the sun, with uh, supposedly, now I never did substantiate it, but I know we were also very much hit by solar winds, and I did feel it, and our internet has been excessively slow for several days. I mean, to the point where we've had to shut off the internet or shut off the modem, turn it back on restart and rename our uh, Chromecast. We used to call it Crystal Cave <laughs> before that, I think was Invisible Dragon Penis. We always have really weird names. Uh, most of the people in the building don't speak English. So, um, but we do have uh, now it's called Cuenca 2020. <laughs> My son named it. He was tired of the inappropriate names. I was giving our Chromecast. <laughs> it was just, I thought it was hilarious when, when it say, would you like to connect to the invisible dragon penis? Well, okay. Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) I just thought it was funny. The awkwardness of it. I don't know. (laughs) I get in a mood every now and again, (laughs) but I did feel this energy, this love and this supportive energy. And it helped me to do things so much easier. Things flowed so much better. There's a process I go through every month paying a specific bill that takes it's like a very high it's a lot of money I've got to pay. And it takes so freaking long it takes me days I'm usually very stressed it usually takes up to five or six hours just for the process itself. It's ridiculous. It's something I can't really talk more about, but it's this massive process that creates a great deal of stress. And yesterday took me 10 minutes. (laughs) I was like, Oh my God, I know I'm in a higher octave energy. I'm not physically in the fifth dimension, but I am mentally, I'm there in all the other ways. And I think that's helping. I'm accepting the love. I'm accepting the peace when you accept the peace of God that passes all understanding and you allow it to permeate every single one of yourselves and you allow it to be a part of you because it already is a part of you. You just overlaid all this other programs and BS and templates and stories. And when you get rid of all that and peel the layers of the onion, and now you no longer stink because you're no longer an onion. I guess. <laughs> but when you but when you get to that level where you're just like, I'm gonna be peaceful no matter what, because you know what? My future might be really bad. My future might be really good. I don't know. I don't know what the future holds, but you know what? In this moment, right now, I could breathe a sigh of relief because nothing bad is going on. And even though nothing excessively good is going on, just because there's nothing bad going on, I consider that to be something very good going on. (laughs) If that makes any sense at all. I mean, I'm looking at the most beautiful, brilliant view. It's just a normal day in Cuenca. It's sunny, it's so sunny, it's beautiful. I was out a little bit earlier and it was just, The wind just felt like it was hugging me, and caressing me, thanking me for going outside. I just felt so loved and supported by the universe. And this has been this overwhelming energy penetrating my every cell and every higher octave of who I am. Like it's almost like it's becoming a part of my DNA to be absolutely at peace. Now, I'm not saying that I don't have anxiety. It's still there. I still feel bits and pieces of it and it's going to be there. It's going to be there for you too here and there and every now and again. And, and you know, we still on some certain levels do feel other people's pain. Even if we don't know them, even if they're on the other side of the world, because we all are one, we're all connected. Even our sun, they discovered has filaments that connect it to every other star and every other planet ever period. It's like a big matrix, a big network, a big net. You tug on the one part of the net, you're going to feel it in all the other parts of the net. I was a little sad today thinking about Antares. Might have been the star that went supernova. Um, I was talking to Jude DeKoff, who has the Starseed Perspective podcast the other day, and he's like, you know... I found out it was Antares so it's supernova, and I'm so sad because that's your star. That's where you came from originally, because that's what's in your chart. He did my chart for me. There's a way to do star charts. You can contact him at the Starseed Perspective, but I don't know his email at the moment. That might be it, actually, Gmail, but you just got to go listen to his podcast. I'm sure it's, he's got it on there if you want him to do a chart for you and his feeds are always very reasonable. He does a massive reading when he does card readings are huge by the way. But, um, I mean, it takes like an hour and a half or something just yeah. <laughs> probably just to lay out the cards. His readings are incredible. All right. So anyway, by the way, just throwing that out there, <laughs> I don't even know if he's actually throwing it out there to do readings at this moment. But if you want to contact him for that, you can ask. So I uh, was watching the movie called The Mummy with Tom Cruise, which is on, it's on Netflix. I was watching that movie with my son and, you know, we were kind of laughing at parts of it that are a little bit hokey and how it's like borrowing from five or six different genres and five or six different movies. And we're like, this is like ridiculous. It's like, but it was a good movie. But it was like, you know, it's like borrowing from the, just the idea of it. It's like Dr. Jekyll, and Mr. Hyde meets the Nazis somehow. Even though there weren't Nazis, that felt like there was that energy in there. Versus, you know, versus zombies, <laughs> versus mummies in Egyptian history, versus ancient Mesopotamia Babylonian energy, versus like Indiana Jones. <laughs> <laughs> versus ghosts and also army of the dead <laughs> very weird movie anyway we're watching it's a good movie though it's a good movie. I mean if you like you know tension filled horror flicks with ghosts and monsters that all kind of come together it felt like that anyway demons <laughs> but very beautifully shot and there's some really um, there's some beautiful things to it And I was getting all kinds of spiritual insights and we'd have to like pause it and talk about it. And then we kept hearing these fireworks going off around 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, well, that's cool. Someone's birthday, happy birthday to them. And I just sent out a burst from my heart, just pulsed out, boosh, in all directions, love. I love this city, I love this town, I love this country. So like, yeah, love, just sent the love out. Then we heard more fireworks, we're like, wow. And then we decided, let's stop the movie, look out the window and see what's going on. There's so many fireworks, more than normal, more than just a typical birthday party. So we looked out and there's this massive gathering down the hill, down the street from us, like a half a block from here. And we're like, do we dare go out? Is it really, is it like a church thing? Is it like a, you know, we don't really know. And we decided to look and we have a really good view. And all of a sudden, all of these fireworks, I mean, purple and white and pink and green and yellow and and blue, and it was just like, boom, 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 all over, and then the bottle rockets, pop, pop, and then cannons, they started shooting off cannons, and it was like this massive display. It was almost like New Year's Eve all over again. And... Then all of a sudden there's this massive firework thing on the ground with the, this spinning wheel of green and white. And it was like underneath all these trees We're like, holy crap, it's so dangerous. It's, what are they doing? And then they had like a bandstand and then they had music and then they had dancing. And it was this massive party for two hours And abruptly, everything shut down, closed off, went away at midnight. (laughs) Like, oh, they were so nice to the neighbors. Like, it was just like this massive party. And then it was over. And we were like, that was cool. I love when that happens. It happens every year. And I forgot last year that happened. And when we were in another neighborhood, this happens in every neighborhood. They have their own little celebration of what? I don't know, but it's always this time of year right after the new year. And it's almost like a secondary new year celebration. But I knew that the Innocentus parade had already happened on the 6th of January. So that must be over, but this is six days later. And I'm like, okay, in the morning, 10 30, all of a sudden I hear the band. I'm like, Oh my God, the weird parade is back. The really freaking weird parade. This thing is so insane. It's like, They just, how do I even begin? Like, I think I described it last year. Well, it happened again this year. I would look out the window. I'm like, Virgil, Virgil, get up, get up, get up. Oh my God, the weird people are back. The insanity ensues. And he didn't hear me. He was just, you know, dead, dead to everything, dead to the world. Sound asleep. And so I just took all these pictures and I put up on on my messenger. I think it's on my Facebook, possibly. Oh my God. I mean, here's Santa Claus. The three wise men, I think someone is dressed as Jesus. There were angels, (laughs) Um, a marching band, and then a bunch of Native people in their Native dress, barefoot, jumping up and down after a truck in which little girls dressed as angels are throwing rose petals everywhere. And I think one of the women is dressed as Mother Mary. And they're throwing rose petals everywhere. And then the natives are dancing on the rose petals as they go down the street. And this massive, I mean, it's cacophonic. There's like, like the truck is blaring music after the the, the marching band is just blaring music. And then the people were making noises and shaking shakers and all these instruments. It was ridiculous. And then, but awesome, awesome, super awesome. Just this massive celebration. And then there's two little girls dressed as angels in long pink, um, look like um, uh, velvet, crushed velvet robes. And they're running as fast as they could because they're like stragglers. They didn't get to the parade on time and they didn't want to get in trouble with their mom or something. And they were like little girls, like, oh, go, go, no, go, go, go. You know? <laughs> it was just complete, utter madness and chaos. And it happened for an all all but five minutes, not even a five minute parade, really small. It's a neighborhood parade, right? It happens every year. And in our old neighborhood, there was a neighborhood parade that happened five minutes. There's always a decorated car and then people dressed in crazy, like the three wise men and Santa Claus. And it's like, and other things I might not even recognize, just to be honest. I mean, men with turbans, like it was ridiculously fun. And I thought, well, that was fun. All right, cool, go back to my day. And then um, after a couple hours, my son woke up. He's he's like, I'm gonna go down down the street. If you give me money, I'll stop at the mall, get whatever we need for groceries and go visit my friend and come home. And on the way home, he got to see the parade because here comes back three hours later, the exact same parade, now has picked up more marching bands Now it's a marching band with all the men are wearing bright purple shirts, like kind of a lavender purple. And, and they were even better than the other bands. So now it's even louder. Now all the music is colliding. There's like three or four different kinds of music now. And there's now a lot more people following. So it's almost like they went for an hour and a half down the road, (laughs) picked up as many people as want to be in the parade. And then they all came back together and ensued in yet another fiesta of partying and dancing and a man over the loudspeaker and music. And it was like another day of ridiculous fun. And it was like two whole days like that. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is this insanity? What is this? Is it like, why is Santa Claus? Why? What is that? It's just one of those things that just, you can't totally I guess I could have gone and asked somebody, but the people that knew were the people in the parade and they were gone in five minutes. So completely ridiculous, but so fun in the most amazing and positive (laughs) and joy filled way. And I feel like even though it might not have been their intention to perform magic, I feel like they really released and shook loose a lot of the negative energy that might've been hanging around you know, tension is normally in the neighborhood. It's gone. And I just feel like this massive tension that might've been there, you know, that maybe I was even subconsciously picking up on, but not consciously aware of. It's just gone. What stuff that was maybe stuck in the earth because these guys are hippie hopping, hippie hoppa. There's actually a city in, in Ecuador called hippie hoppa. <laughs> J I P E no, J I P I J A P A. Hippie hoppa. <laughs> it's one of my favorite words. I don't even know what it means. I don't even, honestly don't know what it means, but I thought it was cool that they're just like just parading all over. There's a lot of parades in this city and there's a lot of religious processionals that are just random and like they go up dirt roads and they just end up in a, like a pile of rubble. And then they go back down after like a couple prayers. A massive processional people dressed up for these massive processionals that only last like five or 10 minutes. And then they go, okay, we're done the processional. It's like, you sewed a dress for that or is that a dress you use for every processional? Like I don't understand, but <laughs> it's beautiful and it's wonderful. And anyway, I had a, a blast this weekend. I, I literally didn't even leave the house, but just hanging out the window, keeping my window open a few days, breathing volcanic dust. The volcano still going off, but it's it's so beautiful. So beautiful here. Anyway, Schumann Resonance, thank God the news is here. Today we're getting hit by the other supernova wave. I'm sure you found, you discovered that we're having issues with technical things, but it is what it is. Um, there was slight background activity in, in um, Italy when well at least disclosurenews.it this might be the calm. I don't know um, basically they just had power 33 hertz 33 that's it all day long and calm in the afternoon as far as the Shimon residence news is concerned for the rest of the cities uh, 524 hertz frequency over the weekend uh, in uh, in January or on January 10th on um, Friday in in um, Hulului, Louis, South Africa, they were way up there, 524 Hertz, but they came back down again and they're back up on an upswing. They were as low as, um, 240 Hertz frequency, but starting at 5 a.m. they were already back up on the upswing. So California started off at 43 Hertz frequency and by 5 a.m. they were just the same thing. 43, no big deal. Uh, in Hofuf, Saudi Arabia, as well as Alberta, Canada, they were both at zero hertz frequency all the way across. That has not changed over the weekend at all. Lithuania started off at 69 hertz frequency at midnight and just went down to 68. Not a big deal. In uh, Northland, New Zealand, they start off at 53 hertz frequency at midnight and were down to 44 hertz frequency by. 5 a.m. I like these numbers 33, 44. These are master numbers. It's very cool, very spiritual. (laughs) Anyway, 295 hertz frequency in Halalui, South Africa at midnight. But by 5 a.m. they were already back up to 313. Oh yeah, boy, 313. That's Detroit area code. You have a phone number in Detroit. That's that's the area code. All right, so as far as the space weather news, let's see. There's really nothing going on, blank. No sunspots, solar wind speed uh, coming out of the coronal holes, 328.7 kilometers per second. So it's a little bit slower than it was. (laughs) But we will be feeling on the 14th and 15th a lot of bump in the pressure of the Earth's magnetic field because the solar wind will reach our planet. By then, so like tomorrow in the next day, so Tuesday and Wednesday, this is going to be um, from two or perhaps three holes They're in the sun's atmosphere right now. They do not expect any geomagnetic geomagnetic storms, but there will be a green um, a, a green dose of the aurora overhead in the Arctic sky they're expecting and all the sunspots we were hoping for have now disappeared and there are no, no sunspots at all. The neutron counts coming out of Ulu Finland are very high today. It's like 10%, which means we are having a lot of cosmic radiation coming. That's what that means told you guys I'd read up on it and I did. That's what that means. Okay. Foundation for inner peace website is found at ACIM.org and that's where you're going to find lesson 210. That's a lesson we're on right now. I just looked outside, lots of pale violet energy coming through the sky in the higher uh, octaves and the higher dimensions. Even though the sky from what I'm seeing is just a pretty pale baby blue not a lot of messages in the sky although earlier i did see an x i did see a j um i'm seeing what looks like a little turtle bird and the skies just they just have a lot of funny faces the clouds i think that no one's asked the sky for divination so they just are entertaining themselves up there <laughs> the spirits that make the clouds i know they're just having a good old time anyway so here we go with A Course in Miracles lesson 210 at ACIM.org we are still on the review I am not a body I am free for I am still as God created me we're taking the uh, one thought of the day to take with us is taken from lesson 190 I choose the joy of God instead of pain I choose the joy of God instead of pain Pain is my own idea. It is not a thought of God, but one I thought apart from him and from his will his will is joy and only joy for his beloved son and that I choose instead of what I made I am not a body I am free for I am still as God created me so that's it short and sweet before that um, yeah there you guys have it for the news today is a day in which I read from the spirits book by Land Kardec. We're going to try to do that for about an hour today. And uh, you guys will let me know if any part of this transmission doesn't come through because we were hit by that supernova wave and tomorrow again, incoming (laughs) more incoming. And I'm glad about that because it's just here for our benefit. All this cosmic radiation. It does well, sometimes it gets us away from the electronics when they're not working. But try to take, your, take yourself outside of the world of electronics for a while. Even if it's for an hour a day, just taking a bath, just reading a book in the sun, something, meditating, anything that you can do to get yourself away from the electronics will be helpful to your psyche and your spirit. All right, I'm going to take a quick break, and when I come back, boom, I think it's number 18 of the Spirit's book right after this with part 18. Alright guys, before we totally get into the spirits book, I wanted to let you know that I did hear from Vanessa, who lives in Australia over the weekend. She said, your prayers are working. It's magic. Keep the prayers going because, I mean, not only was Australia having all the fire, now they're having a massive dust storm. She didn't tell me that. I I read that um, almost as wide as the whole country itself. So please send the rain energy, the rain images, visualize rain, pray for rain, ask for rain. Imagine the people dancing in the street with rain droplets hitting their skin and being so relieved. Send that energy, okay? Because it is working. When we visualize something to help people, it happens, okay? So the same thing actually for the people, all the people in in the continent of Africa that are having problems of drought, imagine they're dancing in the street and they're covered in rain and they're just so happy, joyous, jumping up and down, hugging each other, kissing each other on the cheek, holding each other's hands and splashing in the rain puddles. That is probably the best way to imagine it that people are so happy and so relieved, you know, cause if you just say send rain and it's like, you just imagine a cloud and then just, you kind of fizzle it out. But if you connect to the emotions of what you would have if you were in that situation, I think that's how we can send our visualizations and make them very, very strong. Right? So, um, like I was telling Vanessa and I'll tell you guys real quick. Um, I keep saying things like, you know, just imagine love or loves around you surround yourself with love. And I said that even today in my introduction. So a way that you can easily imagine love is that you pick up a little baby kitten that loves you and it has its huge eyes and it's looking at you so innocent and it's adorable and you could You could scratch its little, um, underneath its little chin, and its fur is so soft, and it licks your hand, and you feel its rough tongue, and then you hold it up to your face, and you kiss it, and you sniff behind its ear, and there's a sweetness energy, and the soft, soft fur touches your face ever so gently, and you feel so much love for this tiny little creature, and your feelings are like, oh my gosh you're so cute and that love that surrounds you is a pure and innocent love and that pure innocent love feeling keep that feeling inside of you expand that feeling outside of you bring that energy to every interaction with every animal every person every situation every event and that is how we're going to transform the world. And so if I, I keep saying things like it, it seems so vague, just feel love. Uh, all right, love, uh, love. You know, what do you imagine a pink heart? Like that's like, there's not much emotion there. But when you pick up a baby kitten and you see its little eyes looking at you and it puts its teeny, teeny little paws right in the center of your hand and it just melts your heart. That's what I mean. By love, and that's innocent love. It's not romantic or or um, it's or sexual love, you know, because not everybody wants to feel that sexual, romantic, bam, 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 love, right? So I I'm bringing this up. I wanted to take five minutes out of the reading because it's so important to come up with strong, powerful visualizations that connect you on a heart level to a situation. So for people in Australia, imagine them cheering, you know, maybe saying, good day, mate. Okay, I can't say anything in Australia very well, but you know my, you know, (laughs) where I'm going with that. You know, just imagine them so happy and cheering with each other and throwing their Crocodile Dundee hats into the air because you know everyone there wears those. I'm just kidding, I know they don't. (laughs) <laughs> but you know what I mean, just imagine whatever you know fits for you to think of, just hold that in your heart. The people are so happy and so grateful because that's what's happening, right? So the floods in Lebanon are gone, by the way. My friend told me, um, he's actually a very famous singer in Lebanon, his name is Hadi Noor, and I've known him before he got famous, we've been friends for years. And he said, thank God. He's like, there's no work. And after the revolution, there was a problem, but there, you know, there's, it's hard to get money over there right now, but they, thank God don't have a flood and they do have snow, but it's up in the mountains. And I'm sure he'll be taking his kids there in the next couple days. Usually they go play in the snow when it happens. So it's a joyous thing for his family, his brother and the whole thing. It's just really neat. So, um, there was one more thing oh yeah we were hit already i asked my higher guidance right now as i'm recording this uh we're kind of being slow burned <laughs> slow it uh by this supernova energy if you're feeling nausea if you're feeling like a head wooziness, like Ooh, i feel kind of weird that's from the supernova um god told me this energy wave should not affect our electronics so much it will affect our brains we might lose memories we might lose words we might just be like uh, like kind of going through time warps there might be time anomalies uh energetically feeling kind of funky but maybe not in a good way um but it's gonna pass and we're gonna be okay just remember to breathe and i'm seeing just you know what? Wash a bunch of fruit or vegetables and with ice cold water and just like eat fresh salads. You know, it's so what I'm saying. Even if, if you're in a cold place, make a hot, I call the hot salad <laughs> fajitas. That's what I call fajitas. It's a hot salad. <laughs> so just, um, Lots of water too. Higher guidance is saying drink lots of water. Alright, we're gonna get into the book. As you know, this book was written and published in Paris, France, in the year 1857. It's very popular. This is my reading of this book is what's gotten me on the map on iTunes in France. So thank you for all the Parisians who wish to hear this book. It's a very good book so far. At least, so good. (laughs) We are on question 636. So we're over halfway through. All right. Here's the question. Are good and evil absolute for all men? The answer from the Spirit say, The law of God is the same for all, but evil resides especially in the desire for its commission. Good is always good, and evil is always evil, whatever a man's position may be. The difference is in the degree of his responsibility. So, question 636: When a savage, yielding to, to his instinctive desire, feeds on human flesh, he is he guilty in so doing? And the spirits say I have said that the essence of evil is in the will therefore a man is more or less guilty according to his light and Alain Kardec he added this to say circumstances modify the relative intensity of good and of evil a man often commits faults that are none the reprehensible for being the consequence of the social position in which he is placed. But his responsibility is proportioned to the means he possesses of distinguishing between right and wrong. Thus, the enlightened man who commits a mere injustice is more culpable in the sight of God than the ignorant savage who abandons himself to his instincts of cannibalism. Okay, so Alan Kardec seems to be judging uh, the idea of cannibalism from his own culture and his own ignorance of what's actually going on. I have a little bit of experience in studying this through anthropological means, uh, through anthropology classes I took in university, and a lot of times... The cannibalism, okay, it depends on where it is and what, in what way. Like, if you're in the Donner party and you're stuck in the snow and your friends are dying and they say, eat me, stay alive, and you're like, holy crap, I'm going to have to eat him. Hey, yo, let's, let's eat Morty over here. (laughs) Morty looks good. (laughs) He's dead, fresh, dead. Let's eat him. I mean, obviously, I don't think you're going to go to hell for staying alive in the situation that your best friend just died, and that's what you have to do, I suppose, in that situation. <sighs> if you want to live. <laughs> and, you know, and then also, but but in, okay, in certain tribes, and I can't even tell you what tribes or where they are, because now I can't remember. I'm assuming Papua New Guinea, but also I think I heard of this happening in the continent of Africa again. I don't know the tribe, but there is a circumstance by which when one enemy defeats another enemy, they will eat the flesh of the enemy. But in like one little, like a little part, they'll eat the enemy. And they do it for a couple of reasons. One, it's to show the victory over the enemy. And two, it's to honor the spirit of the enemy by taking his spirit into your own and taking care of it for the rest of your life and it's an act of love and an act of compassion because that is their beliefs and that is their culture. Um, it's not like, Ooh, Hey, hey, can't wait to liver with some fava beans. It's not like that. All right. So, I mean, you could say this culture is primitive because they eat each other, but that's not from their perspective. It's totally different. Usually it has to do spirituality. It has to do with, um, you know, and in another culture I heard of that, they eat their enemy because they, after they defeat them in battle because, um, they want to, Oh God. Now what was the other thing? It wasn't just about, um, it wasn't just about that. It was, it wasn't about honoring them and letting them live. It was, Maybe the all-consuming double defeat of eating him on top of killing him. Um, so that might be a little bit more evil, I suppose. But in their own world, this is not evil. This is just how things are done. I don't think there's any... Um, there was one culture that did delight in just eating people. They'd go and defeat their enemy and then eat them. But then they got the thing called Khufu. And in that place, and now I can't remember the name of that one either... In that community, (laughs) they don't do that anymore because they got this like mad human disease, which mad cow disease in humans, Um, the prions were the issue and I guess they all went crazy. So is it evil if a a whole people go crazy because of something that's in their food and then they get a desire or taste for human flesh? Is Is that really evil? Or should we feel sorry for them and have love and compassion for them, but never visit them? Obviously. (sighs) Lest we get eaten. Should just send all the evil clowns there. Okay. (laughs) Don't eat me. Evil clown. (laughs) Anyway, I just, I, I don't like the judging of people. I don't like taking my own culture and judging other people based on the the mores mores and values of my own culture. I don't like pointing fingers and going, you are evil because I don't think that's right that we should try to understand people from their own perspective. And I know even here in the Amazon, you know, um, here in South America, there are cultures that do eat their enemy. (laughs) They don't normally just, they don't like breed an extra baby for Thanksgiving dinner. You know, they're not that gross. Right. There's always a reason. And does that make them primitive because their culture is a million times different than ours? I don't know. I don't want to judge people. And that bothers me that he does judge people like that. So anyways, keep on reading the book. Question 638. Evil seems sometimes to be a consequence of the force of things. Such is, for instance, in some cases, the necessity of destruction even to the extent of taking the life of a fellow creature. Can it be said that in such cases there is a violation of the law of God? Now, the spirits say, Evil in such cases is nonetheless evil, although necessary, but this necessity disappears in proportion as the soul becomes purified by passing from one existence to another, yes, reincarnation, and man is then all the more culpable when he does wrong because he comprehends more clearly the character of his action. Well, that's good. I like that. We all get a chance to make it right in, you know, subsequent lifetimes. So there's that. Okay, question six thirty nine. The evil we do is often the result of the position that has been made for us by other men, where, in such a case, lies the greatest amount of culpability. Oh my God, it's like written by a narcissist. Wasn't my fault. Blame it on the henny. (laughs) Blame it on that guy. Blame it on the drink. (sighs) All right. The spirit stated out. "With those who have been the cause of the wrongdoing. Thus the man who has been led into evil by the position that his fellow creatures have made for him is less guilty than those who have caused him to go astray. For each has to suffer the penalty not only of the evil he has done, but of that which he has caused another to do. All right. Question 640, is he who profits from by another wrong's doing, even though he took no part in its commission, as guilty as though he had taken part in it? And the spirits say, yes, to take advantage of a crime is to take part in it. He would perhaps have shrunk from committing the evil deed, but if the deed being done, he takes advantage of it, it is equivalent to doing it. And proves that he would have done it himself if he could, or if he dared. Wow. Okay, you guys, this brings me, this brings to mind the, um, when 9-11 happened. My neighbor was like, well, now that this has happened, I'm going to go invest in these stocks. And I can't remember, it was like, um, airline safety or I don't know, something to do with the airlines. And then he, I think he then went and bought stocks after the war then ensued the company, um, owned by the Clintons and all those Bilderberger people. Um, now I can't think of the name of it, but this company, uh, was responsible, I think for, rebuilding Iraq oh my god you guys there's a Pleiadian light ship in the sky I think oh my god it's bright maybe not I mean there's six o'clock at night I don't think there's any planes coming here and it's really really far away if that is indeed a plane all right it might be a plane oh my god I looked up and out of nowhere there was like nothing in the sky and all of a sudden, a very bright looking ship, and it's going. There's only one, and Pleiadians usually travel in packs. <laughs> like, girls going to the bathroom. I'm just kidding, Michael hand of Ashtar Command. He listens to me sometimes. Yeah, it's still there. That's where it is white. Now it just looks like a plane, though. It might be a private plane. Anyway, <laughs> just had to mention it. But okay, so, anyway, but my friend also bought the stock of the company to rebuild Iraq after they destroyed Iraq. So I am assuming that that was, it made me get, it gave me a weird feeling. Like my heart kind of sunk that I was disappointed in my neighbor. Like, sure, you're going to profit from it, but like, you're gleefully profiting from something that is a complete and utter disgrace and tragedy to humanity. And I'm all for profiting, you know, making the right decisions, but I don't think that we should do it at the expense of other people. And that did bother me. So it's good that they mentioned this very crazy, right? All right. 641. Is it as reprehensible to desire to do an evil deed as to do it? And the spirits say, that is as the case may be. Voluntarily to resist the desire to do wrong, especially when there is a possibility of gratifying that desire, is virtuous. But he who has not only done the wrong thing because the opportunity was wanting is as guilty as though he had done it. Well, Jesus said, when you lust in your heart, you've committed the deed already. It's just as good as done you know when you think "Ooh, I would like to get with his wife guess what you just did (laughs) you just did you created that energy in the world whether you actually ever do it or don't all right question 42 in order to be acceptable in the sight of God and to ensure our future happiness is it sufficient not to have done evil and the answer is no It is necessary for each to have done good also to the utmost limits of his ability for each of you will have to answer not only for all the evil he has done but also for all the good which he has failed to do. Ooh, right? Like all the good you wanted to do in the world and then you sat home and had another cheeseburger and watch more Netflix. Oh my God, you guys, we have to get up off that couch. <laughs> oh my God. I haven't had a cheeseburger in so many years. Now that I said that <laughs> I don't eat like that at all. That's like crazy. All right. Question 643. Are there persons who through their position have no possibility of doing good? The answer is, By the spirits, there are none who cannot do some good. The selfish alone find no opportunity of doing so. The mere fact of being in relation with other human beings suffices to furnish the opportunity of doing good. And every day of your lives provides this possibility for everyone who is not blinded by selfishness. For doing good is not restricted to the giving of alms, but also comprehends being useful to the full extent of your power whenever your assistance may be needed. That's right. Help those little old ladies across the street, guys. You know, I mean, you don't have to volunteer every single day of your life, but you know, wait, give money, help others, you know, make a meal for your roommate. that That's something, right? 644. Is it not sometimes a case that the situation in which a man finds himself placed has a good deal to do with the leading him into vice and crime? The answer from the spirits is yes, but that situation is itself a part of the trial, which has been chosen by his spirit in the state of freedom. He has elected to expose himself to temptations, to its temptations in order to acquire The merit of resistance. All right. Well, that's very interesting, isn't it? It's a test by your spirit. Question 645. When a man is plunged, so to say, in an atmosphere of vice, does not the impulsion to evil become for him almost irresistible? And the answer of the spirit's? The impulsion is strong, but not irresistible. For you sometimes find great virtues in an atmosphere of vice. Those who thus remain virtuous in the midst of incitements to evil (laughs) are spirits who have acquired sufficient strength to resist temptation and who, while thus testing that strength, took the mission of exercising a beneficial influence on those around them. Question 646. Is the meritoriousness of virtuous action measured by the conditions under which that action has been accomplished? In other words, are there different degrees of meritorian, meritoriousness in doing right? And the uh, spirit say... The meritoriousness of virtuous action depends on the difficulty involved in it. There would be no merit in doing right without self denial and effort. God counts the sharing of his morsel of bread by the poor man as of a higher merit than the giving of his superfluity by the rich one. Jesus told you this in his parable of the widow's might it's spelled M-I-T-E, I do not remember that parable, the widow's might M-I-T-E do you guys know that one? okay, moving right along excuse <laughs> me okay, division of natural law question 647 is the whole of the law of God contained in the rule of love that of the neighbor laid down by Jesus and the spirit's answer. That rule certainly contains all men to one another, but it is necessary to show them in various applications or they will continue to neglect them as they do at the present day. Besides, natural law embraces all the circumstances of life and the rule you have cited is only a part of it. Men need precise directions. (coughs) Excuse me. General precepts are too vague and leave too many doors open to human interpretations. <laughs> oh my God, I have to cough and if I stop, the, the if I pause the video, or I mean the audio, it will go to a completely different section. So I'm sorry about that, guys. Um. All right. The next question, 648. What do you think of the division of natural law into 10 parts vis a vis the eons of adoration, labor, reproduction, preservation, society, equality, liberty, justice, love, and charity? I have never heard of this, guys. That is very cool. This list. We just have like a piece of art with this list on it. All right. Uh, The spirits say the division of the law of God into 10 parts is that of Moses and may be made to include all the circumstances of life, which is the essential point. Okay. I had to have a sip of that grapefruit soda. mm I have something stuck in my throat. I ate some chips earlier. That might be what happened. All right. The spirits continue. You may therefore adopt it without it's being held to have any absolute value, any more than the various other systems of classification, which depend on the aspect under which the subject is considered. The last of those parts is the most important because the law of charity includes all of the others. And it is, therefore, the observance of this law that mankind advances most rapidly in spiritual life. Charity. Mm. But isn't charity, I guess, that's love and giving through love. (coughs) Oh, my God, I feel bad that I'm coughing in your guys' ears. Okay, um... All right, we're we'll going to take a quick break while I take care of what the heck is going on in my throat here. But when we come back, we're going to read chapter two in this part of the book. Number one, the law of adoration. And then under that, or that says I, and then below that is one. Well, we'll come back and read it to you in a minute. Okay. <laughs> All right, Um, yeah, I'm gonna take a quick break, and I'll be right back with the second half of the reading of the book tonight. Can't believe we're already on part 18. Oh my god! All right. All right. My throat is better, guys. And, oh, the sky was beautiful. I wish I could just send you guys a collective thought of what the sky looked like. It was that baby blue, and then the whole sky turned pale pink. And all the clouds looked like they had silver linings, literally. I had never seen that before this weekend. This is the second time in three days. And then um, the clouds turned like a a. Turquoise color, kind of bluish, purpley, and then just absolutely dark cobalt blue. And now the whole sky is dark blue again. <laughs> As the sun has gone down, I just wish I could share that pale pink sky with you. It's so beautiful. <sighs> I love living here, guys. I, I would Maybe someday I'll put up a camera that just shows the sky day and night like a live cam. If I could figure out how to do something like that, if I ever get technical if if my investments pay off. I'll do that for you guys. You could see like a a day of clouds here is just, it's like a magical thing. Anyway, we are on chapter two, as I said earlier. So uh, the first part of chapter two in this section of the book is called the law of adoration. And then below that, there are little sections. And the first section is number one, the aim of adoration. Number two is the external acts of adoration. Number three is life of contemplation. Number four is prayer. Number five is polytheism. And number six is sacrifices. First thing I wanted to mention about the word adoration, I have never heard of that um, you know, except for like I adore you, you know, whatever. J'adore. That's what they say in French. J'adore. I love you. I adore you. Je t'aime. <laughs> Je J'adore. Okay, that kind of adoration. But also, as far as a religious adoration, I've only ever truly heard that spoken of in Catholicism. So I'm wondering now if Alain Kardec was not Catholic if you guys have any information on that I'd like to know I think he was Catholic it seems to me that he's coming from a quite Catholic perspective but from 1857 I mean who knows what the culture and everything was like even if you are living in today's modern Paris it's a lot different than the gay Paris of the past right so I don't know. I mean, you'd have to ask your your grandmother what her grandfather said, right? <laughs> if you live there now. What was it like? I I ugh France. I had a past life there. I love it. Loved it. I will go back someday. Alright. So we are gonna take on the aim of adoration right now and Here's a question. 49. In what does adoration consist? And the spirit say, In the elevation of the thought towards God. Through adoration the soul draws nearer to him. Question 350. Is adoration the result of an innate sentiment or the product of exterior teaching? And the spirits say, of an innate sentiment, like the belief in the divinity, the consciousness of his weakness leads man to bow before the being who can protect him. And question 651 Are there peoples entirely without the sentiment of adoration? And the spirits say, no. For there never was a people love atheists. All feel that there is above them a supreme being. Well, there are people who are atheists, but when they say a people, they mean like a whole country full of atheists. Um, There is kind of like forced atheism in China, but that's not, I think people secretly believe in something, right? All feel that there is above them a supreme being. Well, some people don't. The atheists specifically don't. But, to eh, take that one with a grain of salt, maybe. But I do agree with that, that there has never been a full population of people who just don't believe in anything, right? Then there's that book, The God Part of the Brain, which, love and hate at the same time, that idea. It's not just our brain telling us so. I know it's so, I know it's so. Maybe my God part of my brain is doubly developed, so I believe it more. I don't know. Is that true? Is it you know I believe it's true. I don't think we should bother with atheism. I tried with agnosticism and for like two years, worst two years of my life. I went back to believing in God and now look at me, I'm channeling God. So I don't know. Let's moving right along. Question 652: May adoration be regarded as having its source in natural law? And the spirits say, "It is included in natural law since it is the result of a sentiment innate in man, for which reason it is found among all peoples, though under different forms." Okay. Now we're to the section called "External Acts." Of adoration. And we're starting with question six hundred and fifty three. Are external manifestations essential to adoration? And the spirit say True adoration is in the heart, in all your actions. Remember that the master's eyes is always upon you wow that does not translate good from the french to the portuguese the english does it remember that the master's eyes are always upon you sorry i can't always I, I can't pre-read it before you know like i could but uh okay well you know what i mean all right the follow-up question to that is are external acts of worship useful and the spirits say, Yes, if they're not a vain pretense. It is always useful to set a good example, but those who perform acts of worship merely from affectation and for the sake of appearances, and whose conduct belies their seeming piety, set a bad example rather than a good one, and do more harm than they imagine. Well, you know what, guys? Absolutely. I, I find that to be 100% truth because it's the reason why um, I stopped going to church when I was 18. I can't stand the hypocrisy. I was like, I'm going to do so much better on my own than to associate myself with those people who are hypocrites. They say love everybody, but then they get angry when you say you want to look into other religions. What are other people thinking, believing, feeling? How are they approaching God? That's that's always been my whole life. That has been my passion. I want to know what it is that you see. How do you view this? What is your perspective, right? And everyone has a little bit different perspective. And I've been absolutely, since a teenager, I've been absolutely passionate about God. Actually, since I was a baby. Since my mom taught me about God, I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is so cool. And I just was really, I've been passionate about it my whole life and other lifetimes too. But, um, you know, I just feel like you're a hypocrite. If you get mad when someone wants to look into Buddhism or Hinduism or some other kind of thing, because you shouldn't be angry. Just allow people to have their exploration. Their heart is going to find its own path. And usually if you give someone, like a lot of room to explore themselves, the chances are they're going to come back to the path you're on, right? Anna, it's just what I had an argument with a minister over this a long time ago, and it just it made me feel like, well, screw it, you're not going to allow us to explore other religions in the confines of our religion and compare and contrast things. Then I'm no longer going to be your religion. As soon as I turn 18, I left. Boom, done. And I was no religion until 2012 when I converted to Islam. And the only reason is because in the, in the book of Quran, it mentions that we should love everybody of all religions and follow all the prophets of Judaism and Christianity, including Jesus and Moses and all those people. So it kind of was a, hey, a three in one tool. <laughs> So, I mean, I don't know. This, this is getting really religious. I hope this is okay um, for you guys to, it, it just kind of helps us to view ourselves, our society, our family, our community, our countries, just through a different lens, right? I mean, we're coming from what appears to be a Catholic man in 1857 in Paris, France, speaking to spirits. Spirits. This is like super controversial for his day. I I love this book. Okay. Question 654. Does God accord a preference to those who worship him according to any particular mode? That's a good question. And the answer from the spirit. God prefers those who worship him from the heart with sincerity, and by doing what is good, and avoiding what is evil. To those who fancy, they honor him by ceremonies, which do not render them any better than their neighbors. All men are brothers and children of God. He calls to him all who follow his law, whatever may be the form under which they show their obedience. He who has only the externals of piety is a hypocrite. He whose worship is only a pretense and in contradiction with his conduct sets a bad example. He who professes to worship Christ and who is proud, envious, and jealous, who is hard and unforgiving to others or ambitious of the goods of the earth is religious with lips. Only and not with the heart. God who sees all things will say to him, he who knows the truth and does not follow it is a hundredfold more guilty in the evil he does than the ignorant savage. And he will be treated accordingly in the day of retribution. You know what? It says something very, very similar in the Quran. So that's very interesting. Like if you know the truth and then you ignore it and go on your evil way, it's a lot more in the day of retribution. If a blind man runs against you as he goes by, you excuse him. But if the same thing is done by a man who sees you. You complain and obviously with reason. Do not ask then if any form of worship be more acceptable than another, for it is as though you ask whether it is more pleasing to be to God to be worshipped in one tongue rather than in another. Remember that the hymns addressed to him can only reach him through the door of the heart. All right. I agree with this. One I want to point out one thing um in the old testament, if you guys are religious. Um it says to um there's only one God, worship the Lord your God. And do not have any other false idols against him and only worship God. Well, this says right here to worship Christ. And it's like, mm, sorry, Christ isn't God. Christ is an office that's held. It's the highest spiritual office on the planet. It could possibly held uh, on the spiritual level kind of like the office of the president, but for really uh, spiritual people. <laughs> and Jesus was a man who became the Christ. You know, it's like he rose up through the rings, became the, the president of the spiritual world. Basically he's an avatar, the best that ever was. And everybody recognizes him as such, even in the Quran, he's recognized as such, even in Hinduism, in all religions, except for Judaism. But um, they don't really have, you know, they had a Christ in their midst and didn't accept it because it wasn't part of the religion. So I don't know. I mean, just to, I think worshiping... Worshiping is a a rocky subject. We'll have to get into it on another day, but I don't know. I don't think people should worship Jesus. He is a man who did really amazing things. He's like our big brother, and he loves us, and he said, you could do all this and more. did not want to put himself above us, right, on the level of God, the one true creator that created every single one of us, including him, right? He was given the gifts of uh, miracles so that people would believe and follow him, but people ended up worshiping in him. And that's never, never, never a good thing. And you know what? Lately for three times I've come across information in the past couple weeks that Jesus might've been a Pleiadian. And this is something I've thought since I was 18, that it's very, very possible. He had these abilities because he came from another planet and he was able to live in the fifth or higher, seventh, ninth, whatever. And he could pull stuff from dimensions down because he had the knowledge and the uh, technology no, that's a whole nother whole nother conversation. I don't know. Just be careful. You know, worship. I don't know. Love freely. I think is better, but that's just me, you know, do what your heart tells you to do because everyone's on a different path. Spiritually, religiously, spiritually, whatever. We're all on a different path, but anyway, uh, do not. Yeah, I already said that. Okay. All right, so that paragraph. Okay, question 655. All right. Is it wrong to practice the external rights of a religion in which we do not heartily believe when this is done out of respect for those with whom we are connected and in order not to scandalize those who think differently from us? And the answer... In such a case as, as in many others, it is the intention that decides the quality of the act. He whose only aim in doing so is to show respect for the belief of others does no wrong. He who does better than the man who turns them into ridicule for the latter sins against charity. But he who goes through the, with such practices simply from interested motives or from ambition. Is contemptible in the sight of God and of men. God could not take pleasure in those who only pretend to humiliate themselves before Him in order to attract the approbation of their fellow men. Question six fifty six: Is worship performed in common preferable to individual worship? And the Spirit say, when those who sympathize in thought and feeling are assembled together, they have more power to attract good spirits to them. It is the same when they are assembled for worshiping God. But you must not therefore conclude that private worship is less acceptable, for each man can worship God in his own thought. All right. Life of Contemplation 657. Have men who give themselves up to a life of contemplation, doing nothing evil and thinking only of God, any special merit in his eyes? And the Spirit say, No, for if they do nothing evil, they do nothing good. And besides, not to do good is in itself evil. (laughs) God wills that his children should think of him. But he does not will that they should only think of him, since he has given men duties to discharge upon the earth. He who consumes his life in meditation and contemplation does nothing meritorious in the sight of God, because such a life is entirely personal and useless to mankind. And God will call him to account for the good he has failed to do. All right. Uncle, live in a. Cave, just yet. <laughs> I mean, just yes. Wait, 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 wait a little bit. All right, prayer. Uh oh, I just skipped ahead somehow. All right, here we go. Prayer. Question six hundred fifty-eight. Is prayer acceptable to God? And the answer is the Spirit. Say. Prayer is always acceptable to God when dictated by the heart, for the intention is everything in His sight, and the prayer of the heart is preferable to one read from a book, however beautiful it may be, if read with the lips rather than with the thought. Prayer is acceptable to God when it is offered with faith, fervor, and sincerity. But do not imagine that he will listen to that of the vain, proud, or selfish man unless it be offered as an act of sincere repentance and humility. Question 659 What is the general character of prayer? the Spirit say. Prayer is an act of adoration. To pray to God is to think of him, to draw nearer to him, to put oneself in communication with him. He who, pray, prays, he who prays may propose to himself three things. To praise, to ask, and to thank. Yeah, gratitude. Gratitude, to gratitude is always important. All right. Question hundred and sixty. Does prayer make men better and the spirit say yes for he who prays with fervor and confidence has more strength for withstanding the temptations of evil and for obtaining from god the help of good spirits to assist him in so doing such help is never refused when asked for with sincerity follow up question is it that the persons who pray a great deal are sometimes very unnameable jealous envious and harsh wanting in the be- benevolence and forbearance and even extremely vicious oh now we know where he's coming from <laughs> it sounds like he had problems with people at church right <laughs> I mean I-, I was around people that were rude and talking about each other and going behind people's backs, but they weren't extremely vicious. I wouldn't say that. They were a little vindictive, but not extremely vicious. So Poor Alan Kardec. Okay. Uh, The spirits say, what is needed is not to pray a great deal, but to pray aright. Such persons suppose that all the virtue of prayer is in its length, and shut their eyes to their own defects. Prayer for them is an occupation, a means of passing their time, but not a study of themselves. In such cases, it is not the remedy that is inefficacious, but the mode in which it is employed. Mm. Question 161. Is there any use in asking God to forgive us our faults? and this spirit say God discerns the good and the evil prayer does not hide faults from his eyes he who asks of God the forgiveness of his faults obtains that forgiveness only through a change of conduct good deeds are the best prayers for deeds are of more worth than words actions speak louder than words question <laughs> 662 is there any use in praying for others? Ooh, it's a good question since we've all been praying for Australia and Africa this week. 652. Okay, this is the answer. The, spirits, the spirit of him who prays exercises an influence through his desire to do good. By prayer, he attracts to himself good spirits who take part with him in the good he desires to do. And Alan Kardec adds his own two cents here. He says, we possess in ourselves through our thought and our will a power of action that extends far beyond the limits of our corporeal sphere. To pray for others is an act of our will. If our will be ardent and sincere, if he calls good spirits to the aid of the party prayed for, and thus helps him by the suggestion of good thoughts, and by giving him the strength of body and of soul which he needs. But in his case also, the prayer of the heart is everything, that of the lips is nothing. Question 163. Can we, by praying for ourselves, avert our trials or change their nature? And the answer of the spirits, your trials in the hands of God. And there are some of them that must be undergone to the very end. But God always takes account of the resignation with which they are born. Prayer calls to your help good spirits which, who give you strength to bear them with courage so that they seem to you less severe. Prayer is never useless when it is sincere because it gives you strength, which is of itself an important result. Heaven helps him who helps himself, is a true saying. God could change the order of nature at the various contradictory demands of his creatures. For what appears to be a great misfortune to you, from your narrow point of view, and in relation to your ephemeral life on the earth, is often a great blessing in relation to the general order of the universe. And, besides of how many of the troubles of his life is man himself the author, through his short-sightedness or through his wrongdoing, he is punished in that wherein he has sinned. Nevertheless, your reasonable requests are granted more often than you suppose. You think your prayer has not been heeded because God has not worked a miracle on your behalf, Well, in fact, he has assisted you, but by means so natural that they seem to you to have been the effect of chance or the course, ordinary course of things. And more often still, he suggests to your minds the thought of what you must do in order to help yourselves out of your difficulties. Yeah, I like that because you can pray and then all of a sudden you have an idea of how to get yourself out of, of a jam and it's really God giving you the thought that he does it silently. He's like a silent partner sometimes. I love that because you're just like, oh, yeah, duh. <laughs> I could have just did that. Oh, well, I didn't have to worry. <laughs> it's very, very, very possible. Very possible. So, okay, question six <laughs> hundred sixty-four. Is it (laughs) useful to pray for the dead and for suffering spirits? And if so, in what way can our prayers soften or shorten their sufferings? Have they the power to turn aside the justice of God? All right, that's a very Catholic question praying for the dead. So, I mean, that's just assuming that the dead are suffering, right? That's, that's a very Catholic question. Um, okay, that's very interesting. Okay, so the answer is from the Spirit, prayer can have no effect upon the designs of God, but the Spirit for whom you pray is consoled by your prayer because you thus give him a proof of interest and because he who is unhappy is always comforted by the kindness which compassionates which compassionates his suffering on the other hand by your prayer you excite him to repentance and to the desire of doing all that in him lies to become happy and it is this way that you may shorten the term of the suffering provided that he on his side seconds your action by that of his own will this desire for amelioration excited by your prayer in the mind of the suffering spirit attracts to him spirits of higher degree who come to enlighten him console him and give him hope Jesus prayed for the sheep that have gone astray showing thereby you cannot without guilt neglect to do the same for those who have the greatest need of your prayers. So that's cool. And yeah, and I do think we should always pray for the people of you know our family, friends, people we know, even people we don't know, who suffered and they they passed away. Maybe they passed away in a bad way. Continue to pray for those people, whether you know them or not. You know, the 10,000 people who uh, died in a mudslide in Guatemala, um, a whole village just wiped out, Um, pray for those people. And they're, you know, the people there's only like one man left behind. He was visiting a nearby town and he came back and his whole village. Everyone he knew was gone. Everyone he grew up with, you know, that's the guy we pray for. Right. And all the people who suffered that. And I think that they do absolutely hear and feel our prayers and our love and our passion, you know, for them, our compassion. So okay, question uh six sixty-five. Let me see how long this one is. We might have to end there. Oh goodness. Um oh my goodness. Now of course I just <laughs> Hey, we're getting into the law of reproduction next. That's gonna be interesting. Oh, my God. I accidentally just skipped ahead like a million questions. All right, guys, I'm attempting to do this from my phone and hope it doesn't shut off. This is the third attempt at a final message before the end of the show. I have been working on this little five minute section for like three hours now. Unbelievable. Anyway, how rude. It cut me off at the end of that last section, but we will come back next week to read more of the spirits book by Alain Kardec. I've been enjoying this book. I hope you have too. I really, um, I can't believe it's been 18 weeks already. Unbelievable. Anyway, I wanted to thank you guys specifically for your sponsorships and your help. You know that this is my only job and I'm here five days a week to bring you good information and good entertainment. At least that's my goal. (laughs) As well as inspiration and spiritual upliftment. So anyway, I just want to thank you for favoriting, liking, subscribing, whatever it is on the app or platform or player that you're using. And also that you're forwarding this to people who are waking up in your life. It is so imperative that people get good information and get help so they don't get frustrated. That will help us all ascend faster. If we are all helping others, we're lifting them up. We're boosting them up. We're inspiring them and as many people as possible. So I wanted to thank you guys. Uh, For those of you who are using word of mouth to help spread the word and the message, I am so grateful because... I am now up um, six new listeners, so welcome, welcome. I'm so happy to have you aboard. Also, I am still on the charts in France. I'm really shocked by that. I'm surprised, and I wanted to say thank you. And I think reading from a French uh, person who wrote this book, you know, Alain Kardec, he was a Parisian man, and I'm maybe that's why, but... Anyway, I want to say thank you, you guys, in France for listening to me. Also in Nigeria, Taiwan, Thailand, and I'm finally on the charts in the United States. Oh, my gosh, just this week. In fact, just today, I got back on the iTunes charts in the U.S., so thank you, guys. I'm also on the charts in Brazil and Australia, so I wanted to thank all of you who are listening and all around the world. Thank you so much. Much. It's been a wonderful journey. I'm so grateful that you are here with me on this amazing journey. It's been really crazy. I mean, a friend of mine told me, You should have a podcast. And she told me this, oh gosh, well over 10 years ago. And I said, what the hell is a podcast? I've never heard of that. What do you What do you want about? <laughs> what are you talking about? I don't even know what you're meaning. And then a few years later, I thought, I should have my own radio show. <laughs> and I had a friend who said, you have so much information that every time I talk to you, you're so interesting and your stories are weird. And you know what? There's a market for that. You should write books about it. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So I started writing books. I haven't published anything yet, but... I started writing out my thoughts and I thought, you know, I have so many thoughts, I should probably have a show. So I was thinking about today, I was telling someone today, one of my friends, who's a new friend, and I'm like, you know, I have already made. He says, I'm so proud of you. Look at how intelligent and you're so insightful and you're helping me so much. He's brand new, spiritually awakening. And he just today finally said, okay, I want to listen to your show. (laughs) <laughs> and he just learned about reincarnation. He's just now learning about it. And it's so exciting to help people that are brand new to this stuff. They're like, what? There's so much to learn about, you know? And I remember when I was 18, when I was awakening to this stuff, I was like, oh, my God. There was only like four books on the shelf. at <laughs> B. Dalton Bookseller. And now it's a whole section. It's a whole section. You go to the Bodhi tree. It's a whole store in Los Angeles the whole thing it's a huge topic and I can't imagine being a new newly awakened one right now it would be overwhelming so I want to thank you guys for telling other people who are waking up about the show it's really it's helping me but it's also helping them and that's why I'm here is honestly just to help all of you guys with your spiritual awakening so I don't know what this means, but I just got the uh, Christmas pine tree scent, the white pine. That's not a scent in Ecuador, like, at all. So, either somebody, a spirit is with me. Nope. not Muscle testing says no. White pine, that Christmas tree scent, that's a message for one of you. Right here at the end of the show. Oh, my God, how cute. All right. So... Yeah, it's, a, it's actually something I miss. I really miss that. It's like, a, actually, no, it's Siberian fur. Hey, maybe someone in Siberia is listening to me, and if that's the case, I'm so happy to have you. Koitnik, thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm i trying to learn Russian with my sons. they We just suddenly love the idea of learning Russian for some reason because it's such an amazing challenge, and it's a fun language anyway but okay well that's it guys that's it Um, I'm gonna go I'll be back tomorrow with all unique and original programming just like always and what else Uh, well there you have it that's it I guess for now (laughs) so I'm signing off with peace and joy and the high vibes of the holy fifth dimension Until next time, guys, peace. Do you ever wish you could look into the next chapter in your book of life and see what's coming next? What does the universe have in store for you? I can help you with that. I will give you a Celtic cross reading, which is 10 cards, or you can ask me three questions, and I use three cards per question. So that's nine cards, or I can channel your higher guidance, or maybe God directly for you. Maybe you want to talk to your dear departed Aunt Edna because maybe you have a few questions and she was the smartest person you knew if your deceased relatives are available or your ascended masters I can channel them for you personally let me have one hour to show you the future in your next chapter of your book of life readings are $75 and it takes me an hour to an hour and a half to complete and for this price you will also be hooked up to the healing grid around the planet for free which means yours truly me, I will be giving you Reiki 24 hours a day 7 days a week for the rest of your life all you have to do is let me know metaphysicalsoulspeak at gmail.com and we will explore your future together